0: You're listening to the Tube Life Podcast with Patrick and Alex. We're here to learn from other creators and entrepreneurs how to become better creators ourselves and we want to take you on our journey with us to be inspired and to help you achieve your own goals. Thank you for joining us on our journey into the Tube Life. We have a really great guest for you today and I'm super excited to have him on the show because his channel is one of the channels I was watching when I just started my YouTube journey because of all the valuable information as well as entertainment value and I still enjoy watching him today and every single time I learn something new. Starting out as The Enthusiasm Project, he is now one of the go-to channels for everything audio and video and of course his infamous puns and dad jokes. Tom Buck. Thank you for joining us, Tom. Thank you for having me here. So for those few people that don't know your channel. (laughs) Yes, the very few. Can you tell us, can you tell us a little bit about what your channel is about?
1: Yeah, uh, basically, I taught high school for eleven years, and the main thing I taught was digital media. I ran like a whole program, and so I've always loved this stuff even before that. And the channels kind of became an extension to that, where the goal is to teach people just ways that they can level up audio and video production. And I kind of specifically gear it towards like the one-person production crew. So you know basically people like us right now where you're filming and you're doing your audio and you want to switch cameras and do all that stuff by yourself. There's all these amazing tools to do that. And I just like showing... I'm excited about that stuff. I like to project my enthusiasm about it. And that's what the channel's for. Is that also where where the name came from, I suppose? (laughs) Uh, The name was... It was supposed to be a blog back in like 2011, uh, because that's what you did in 2011. But it, it took me years before I actually started anything. And the original goal was actually to do like with the enthusiasm project was to do like profile pieces, almost like little documentaries about other people who were doing cool stuff that I just wanted to showcase uh, that I learned very quickly. It would take forever to make anything if I had to rely on other people all the time. And if I was the one in front of the camera, I could just make a lot more stuff a lot more quickly. And so then it, it just switched to that. And then a lot of people were like, had no idea who I was, they were just like the guy with the blue. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should change the name to just be my name. And then I kept the name for the podcast, which makes sense.
2: Cool. Awesome. And I mean, you're obviously very passionate about what you do, but <laughs> just going back to kind of the early days of your channel, you know, what it's really intriguing for me to to find out, you know, what made you decide to to start the channel and tell us a little bit about the process of of getting that first video out, what, what were you? Yeah. Where was
1: your head at, and what was you know? Why did you decide to do that? That's probably one of the toughest parts of like anybody's YouTube journey. I'm sure you guys can relate to that because uh, I, like I said, I wanted to start a YouTube channel back in like 2011, 2012, and I just didn't until 2017 because it was like, what would I make a video about? Who would want to hear anything about me? I'd feel weird recording myself, like all of these things, and ultimately, what it came down to was while I was teaching, I wasn't making anything. I was teaching my students how to do stuff. I was helping them with projects. And I was kind of doing like these, they're almost like client projects for like school districts and education. So it was a lot of, you know, like interviews and talking heads and very kind of corporate-y stuff that uh, was technically really fun to do, but had like zero personality or soul to it because it was so, so down the middle of everything. And it was actually my high school students that introduced me to Casey Neistat back in like 2015, 2016. And I really connected with, with his approach to things because he was really good at what he did, but he didn't sweat on making things perfect. And I really did always think everything had to be perfect. And so that kind of, his videos were really something that made it seem like I could do that. Like I could, I could do that. He's doing these in a day. Like I could definitely do something. And so I I was trying to like go, okay, I think I'm gonna start a YouTube channel. And I was just trying to get my drone license because I actually needed that for work. And I did did all the studying on the part 107 drone test, uh, at least that's what we have over here in the US. And I passed the test, but there was so many confusing things about the studying for it. So I was like, you know, I can make a video that's just like, here's some resources for how to pass your test. like ignore this, focus on this and you're good. And once I had a clear purpose for a video, it was easy to jump in and make it easy. Like I scripted, it's so funny. If you go back and watch the video, it's like, it's such a simple video. It's just a talking head video, but I think I spent 90 minutes setting up the lighting. I spent two days scripting it, an entire day rehearsing it, hours recording it, I don't know how long editing it. And it's like, you know, it's a video that probably any one of us could make in like 30 minutes. (laughs) Sounds sounds very familiar. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it was, and you know, I'm very like, kind of like stiff and rigid and whatever, but it was cool to have a purpose with a video. Like not just, I don't know, what do I just make a vlog or something? But it was like, no, here's a, I have a reason to make this. It's going to be helpful. I'll do that. And then after that, I kind of just started playing around with trying to make videos quickly. So like, you know, here's something I'm working on for a day or whatever. And, uh, and it, it just sort of spiraled from there. To figuring out what I liked and didn't like, and and all that kind of stuff.
2: You you touched a little bit on on there, but I wanted to expand a little bit on that first video. And you know, when you look back at it, obviously you you've improved. You know, it's, it's a different <laughs> stratosphere right now. But looking back at that, you know, do you think I should have done something different? You know, going back to where you were at that time, is there anything you would change, or do you think
1: you just I have mean, to go honestly, through those things? I I think a lot of it is you really do need to just figure it out for yourself. And I think everybody's going to look back at their first video and go like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a good thing. You know, you shouldn't be years down the line and looking at your first video and thinking, wow, that was the best thing I ever did, because that means you're not growing. So I think that's normal, but if I look at it objectively, like it's a good video. It it serves the purpose that it was intended to. It looks good, it sounds good, it's clear and easy to understand. So, you know, like I'm actually pretty proud of it as a first YouTube video. And uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> there's definitely like I kind of have like a deer in the headlights look though in it the whole time where it's like staring at the camera and just I don't know, it's 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 a little awkward, but it's fine. It's very <laughs> awkward.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're all. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm in my forties, and whenever I go back, it, it is cringeworthy <laughs> to, to
1: watch. But yeah. you know, we just have to go through that. Yeah, Same. it's part of the process.
0: Tom, do you remember the the gear that you used for that? Oh yeah, first video.
1: Hundred percent. um It was the Canon 6D with the 35 millimeter f2 lens. It's actually. Oh no. My mom has that camera now,, uh, but my wife Heather uses that lens currently on her camera., uh, so it was that I used the zoom h four n as an audio recorder and then I borrowed like this little three point lighting setup from work that I could like set up my lights and that was that was pretty much it. It was just I was just sitting over there because <laughs> uh, this used to be like my like home office. I guess it still is, but it was not set up to record videos in and uh, and that was that was pretty much it but A thing that held me back was actually the gear, ironically, because it was like, I was so used to, this needs to be perfect and in focus and shallow depth of field and whatever. And so what I ended up doing was buying, I'm looking at it because it's right behind the camera, but the Sony RX100, a little point and shoot camera, it's kind of like the ZV1, which is really Mm. popular now. And that camera, you can't change the lens on it. You can't connect a microphone to it, but it it gets good video. And I ended up using that for like the next like 50 videos on my channel because I couldn't be like precious with it i just had to make stuff and it and had to go with it and that really helped and once i got that rhythm down then i started bringing back in like a dslr and lenses and lights and all that kind of stuff
0: Hmm. sounds like you already had a little bit of a setup there you know yeah yeah i mean uh, i've
1: been doing this stuff forever and i was teaching it but i I had always been like, you know, I will film your corporate video. I will help students <laughs> on a project. I will, you know, I did a couple of weddings, which were <laughs> not my thing at all. Um, but, you know, that that kind of normal stuff. I was always behind the camera. Being in front of it is so different. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: it's terrifying.
2: <laughs> it's funny you should yeah. mention that, you know, that there's so many different options you could go as a creator, right? Mm-hmm. And once you enjoy creating videos, it's, it's just about choosing the topic. You're extremely passionate about yeah audio yeah. and video and you know and, and watching your content that is absolutely you know is what keeps me watching your videos <laughs> is that passion that you've got about it but oh. I, I always wonder you know what what made you choose that topic and you know was it because i think you touched a little bit on the you know is it because you're in in that field or is it something that you you know i don't know you're just you just love talking about gear and you know audio and video
1: Yeah, it's kind of that. I mean, uh, in this little cabinet behind me right here is an old 8 millimeter Sony camcorder. And that was the first camcorder I ever used. It's from like 1989. I think I used it when I was like four years old for the first time. Like my parents just handed it to me and I took some very shaky Blair Witch style video with it. And from that point on, I was like, this is amazing. Like I can record something. We can connect it to the TV and rewatch it. It, Like I just kind of got obsessed with it and never stopped. And when it comes to, like, a YouTube channel, I think that's really important. Like, the thing that your your friends and your family are really tired of hearing you talk about <laughs> is probably a great topic <laughs> for a YouTube channel. And that's, you know, it might not be the most marketable, but you can say, like, hey, you know, here's a thing that would be a really good idea for a YouTube channel, but I'm going to get bored after seven videos versus here's a thing I've not gotten tired of in my entire life, so I could just make infinite you know content about it and it was kind of just that like that's the thing i was scared there's so many camera channels and people are really good and it's like it's like does anyone why do i need to be in that world like who's gonna care but it's the thing i like and it just kind of just had to go for it
0: yeah it's interesting though isn't it i i I had the same feeling about the tech niche there's so many tech channels i mean how many ipad videos can you you know, think of, but uh, it's true. You know, people told me, yeah, but nobody does it exactly the way you do. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, with you, that's, that's even more true. You have a very unique channel, very (laughs) unique style. Uh, I think everybody recognizes it immediately. It's colorful. It's, it's, of course, you have the the teacher in you, which is amazing. (laughs) You know, you have this natural talent to explain complicated stuff uh, in, in very easy terms. Thank you. Not everybody can do that. It's been, (laughs) uh, by the way, very fun to see your channel blow up. Uh, I started watching you at, I think, 30-ish K, and now you're at, what, 88, 89,000? Yeah, I hit
1: 88 yesterday, which is congratulations. Yeah. This is
0: approaching 100,000. Yeah,
1: which, I'm going to interrupt you right there, because I told Patrick at the beginning of this year that I think his channel is going to hit 100K sometime this year. 100%. he He was being very humble about it, but I'm just going on the record right now saying that I think that that's a thing Something that you, will happen. You called it right, I think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> no, I still don't think so. It's it's not going very well currently, to be honest. <laughs> I
2: think Just, you're doing uh, amazing.
0: The only problem with you, you is
2: Patrick's got lots of space behind him to put his silver plaque on. You're going to need to make some space behind him. Mm. <laughs> you know what?
1: That's a problem I would be totally fine having. Like, not That's a complain. problem. For <laughs> yeah. so those listening,
2: thinking. yeah, Tom's background <laughs> is, yeah covered in it's busy, busy. yeah <laughs> so we, we need we need
0: a little space there for for, for a plan yeah so so last year i think it was last year you decided to go uh full-time right yeah. to to leave the teaching and and uh, fully commit to youtube i'm yeah. really interested in the tipping point like when did that happen when did you realize okay now is the time to go all in i'm i'm gonna do this now
1: yeah uh so there was this thing that happened. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it was a pandemic. <laughs> it was big news. Uh, that like, there were a few tipping points. Prior to the pandemic, I was still like, as much as I love teaching, it's exhausting. So if you know a teacher, if you're friends with a teacher, like just, I don't know, say thank you <laughs> or be nice to them or something. Because teaching's really hard. And I had great students in a great program. But after like a decade plus, I was just like, I don't know if I have 20 more years of this in me you know, to be honest. And so I was thinking, what can I do to transition away from this in the next several years? Then this pandemic happened. And what that did is like, as we were teaching online for like a year, it sort of took really all the stuff I loved about teaching away. I got to have some fun, like figuring out how to do online classes and using all this tech to, you know, teach, which was actually super cool. But the the fun part of connections and like helping students grow and building those relationships was just like gone mm. and it just exposed all the problems with the job which was kind of a good thing because i don't know if i would have ever been able to leave if i didn't have that separation and at the same time the channel did was growing to a point where it was it wasn't meeting like the revenue or the that my job was making but it was getting kind of close which was surprising to me and And eventually it was just like, I started thinking, even when we go back into the classroom like normal, I'm basically have to rebuild my program from scratch. And I'd already built two programs from the ground up at that point. I just kind of didn't have it in me to do it again. And I was like, you know, I I think this is probably the time and it's almost exactly a year ago. Actually, it's a year ago tomorrow that I gave my notice. Oh wow! Uh, wow. which was terrifying. <laughs> oh, I can imagine <laughs> so much sweat. Uh, <laughs> but luckily, everybody was super supportive and excited, and uh, it's been an amazing year since then. Like I haven't, I yeah. haven't set an alarm in a year almost. Wow, <laughs> it's the best. Like I don't. What else yeah. do you need? <laughs> if
0: yeah, anyone actually... needs any motivation, right? That's the motivation <laughs> <Yeah>. right there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean this image that people some people have of youtubers just playing xbox like 23
1: hours a day and then record for one hour and
0: that's (laughs) it
1: definitely not that no Um, definitely yeah oh it's so much work and you know that because having a job and a life and a family plus a youtube channel is it's multiple full-time jobs it's exhausting
0: yeah i was just interested in um you know, once you did make that step and you, you realized, okay, this is my my job now, my income, how yeah. much pressure does that add?
1: Does it? So my channel took a huge dump right after I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it had just been going up and up and up, and then it's like literally probably the week after I quit, it was just like we where like the YouTube studio graphic is literally a deflating balloon. Mm. And you're like, your views are lower and everything's lower. And I'm like, this is great. Uh, But, you know, I've done a few podcast episodes about having all the different revenue streams, which is not a new thing in the world of creating. You don't rely on YouTube for everything. You kind of like branch out and have a bunch of different stuff. And so even though some things go down, other things can go up and it it all sort of evens out. And if everything's got an overall general upwards trend, that's pretty good. But in a way, I'm kind of glad that the channel did so poorly afterwards because it it uh, it taught me a lot about getting through those dips, which I had been kind of riding a high for a while of like, wow, everything's doing so great, and you know, I kind of just thought like it'll never be worse than this at least, and uh, and it was, <laughs> it did get worse than that. Um, but it, it's kind of tricky because when you're doing a YouTube channel as like a fun project. Everybody wants their channel to grow, but when you're doing it for fun, you know, you you can be a little, I don't want to call it reckless, but you probably experiment. You may be a little goofy. You don't really mind if you like upset somebody, you know, you just kind of do your thing. And that's what draws people to you. And then when you become overly obsessed with like putting that pressure on yourself, because now it's your job, you can then lose the thing that drew people to you in the Mm -hmm. first place. So it was kind of trying to have that confidence of like, I've been building this channel for four years at that time. Uh, you know, people seem to like it. All right. I would just like to get better at doing what I'm doing and not feel like I need to change everything. Or, you know, a lot of people will go like, I'm going full time, I'm gonna make five videos a week and just burn myself out. And I was like, no, like, I-, I kind of don't want anyone who's watching to even know that a change like that happened, because I just want to like, keep it sustainable and keep it, you know, keep it going the way that I like it. And that works for me.
2: That's great. Yeah. yeah. And so, so do you call it as a business now obviously you say is your job but do yeah. you see the youtube channel as your business or do you call your business everything that's around you know your youtube, I call it your YouTube
1: pod- f- right for the sake of simplicity uh but it is everything you know it's mm-hmm. it's 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 all i think there's i don't know 18 or 19 different revenue streams at this point some are very small and some are like pretty sizable but my wife and i incorporated into an llc several years ago mm-hmm. uh just because we kind of needed to and uh so that's been helpful so that's kind of what everything falls under but i just call it youtube uh i really hate getting haircuts and stuff now because it was so easy to like what do you do i'm a teacher what do you teach i teach this oh that sounds fun (laughs) kids are probably crazy yep like cool and now it's like what do you do i'm like oh ah YouTube videos. I don't. Yeah. I I mean, I say, I do like, sometimes I'll say, like, I do YouTube, but then people go, like, what's your channel? Let me see it right now. Like, please don't. Like, please <laughs> don't do that right now. Like, I, so sometimes I just like, I do like video production stuff. Like, please don't ask any more questions. <laughs> so, so
0: you do, I would touch upon it earlier. You do have a very recognizable channel, uh, or at least, you know, in the tech camera audio niche i don't know yeah. where i should put you but it's like i don't know right either. i mean what, what do you class yourself as is it audio or
1: tech i i, I think of it as like like the audio visual club from like right. our school days like the av club where it's I, i'm not cool enough to be like a youtube filmmaker and i'm definitely not a filmmaker so I, I don't fall into like that super slick cool category um i really like audio but i'm also not I'm not an audio pro, you know, sometimes people will use terms. I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, I just like microphones and stuff. So it's 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 like trying to take audio video stuff and see like how it applies to kind of like a, a typical person who's a nerd about that stuff, mm-hmm. how they might use it. So it's, yeah. it's almost like a real world example of these tools that I like. I, I probably should be more specific about that, but I don't know how. You're being
2: uh. extremely, extremely modest there. Yeah, you. you yeah, you, you do go into quite a lot of detail. You helped me several times oh, over you. with, you know, with the Roadcaster, yeah. with the Shore, with, yeah. You do get, you know, quite in depth.
1: Well, li- with your reviews. I, I like explaining great. stuff, and you know how YouTube is. Everyone has an opinion, so I can, you know, I can say like, here's the Roadcaster. It's amazing, and then someone's going to show up and be like, I've been an audio engineer for 15 years, and like, <laughs> no one would ever use the Roadcaster. I'm like, yeah, I know, but like. I'm one guy. The Roadcaster's is amazing. <laughs> yeah. If you have a production crew, maybe there's a different tool for you. But like, I don't. And uh, you know, I don't. Why are you watching this video if it's like super irrelevant to you? Is kind of always what I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, but I agree with Alex there. You have, um, I mean, we already have people like Curtis Judd who are awesome, obviously, but yeah. but they are very technical. And if you're not very much, uh, if you're not well versed in audio, uh, it can be difficult to follow. Yeah, I, You know, for me, it's tricky. Uh, with yeah. you, it's different because you, you explain things in, in layman's terms almost. And you also talk more than those other guys about how you actually use it in your setup and in your day life and, and how I might use it. And I yeah. think that's that's the, the huge
1: value of your channel. Um, yeah. Y- I mean, I get the same thing from watching your channels because it's it's it feels like I'm... I, I, I never like it when I watch a video about someone. It's like a review and it feels like they had the thing for a day. They used it, made a video about it, and now we'll never see it again. And it feels like the same thing with both of you guys where it's like, okay, I'm watching someone who actually knows about these things and is incorporating them into the workflow or not. Or, you know, like... I like that too, and it it makes it's like a tangible thing you can like vicariously experience something (laughs) uh, or learn something from somebody else, and that's it. it Definitely works better for for the audience to to know that you're not just
2: unboxing something and reading the specs, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's it's tough too because um, I mean I've noticed that when I whenever I branch out into the world of like computer stuff because I've done like some computer related videos, they tend to do pretty well, and I think it's because computers are so much more accessible than like niche camera gear Mm. um and you know like i I know you guys experience that a lot with like the devices that you review um and so what i started thinking was okay nobody's going to look for like i don't know i'm trying to think of an example like the shure sm7b we're all using it right now we all know what it is uh and it's great if i make a video about it and i say shure sm7b review people who are looking who know to look for this microphone are going to find that video But people who might actually want this microphone or benefit from it, but don't know that they should be looking for it are never going to find it. And so what I've tried to do is take these things and then frame them in a like broader thing. So it's not like, sure, SM7B dynamic broadcast microphone. It's like, are expensive microphones worth it? And then people will go like, I don't, do I need an expensive mic? And then I can say like, here's a cheap one. Here's an expensive one. The expensive one's this. Um, You know, it's, it's like you're taking these niche things, framing them broadly so that you can help people answer questions they didn't even realize they had. I like trying to find ways to do that. It's making mm. it real right for people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then
0: we can also tell you know, that you have the blue uh, the blue <laughs> thing on your on your microphone, which which immediately yes. tells us it's a Tom Buck uh, video <laughs> or thumbnail.
1: Yeah, that's and crazy that's how of, that happened.
0: <laughs> it, but it is, and it's kind of what I was trying to get at earlier, that you have this really recognizable style, and uh, you know, it's, you cannot, you can't mistake it. There's a thumbnail and it's Tom bucks. You, you just know it. I appreciate it. that. I <laughs> appreciate that. I'm wondering, how did you get there? How did you, when did you decide that that's the blue and the colorful uh, and your font, <laughs> that that's your brand? And how did you get to that point? Because I think that's something that all of us are trying to achieve. But yeah. It's quite difficult.
1: Yeah. So what all, what I will say, like the, the superpower of YouTube is that it lets you be you, Like that's the (laughs) point of it, right? You put the U in YouTube. And I think it's very easy to see what other people are doing. And, you know, if somebody, I don't know, if you watch a channel like Becky and Chris, who are doing things their way, leaning into their style, and then you think, okay, I'm going to use grays and blacks and whites and maybe like a pop of green and everything's going to be really like kind of slick and whatever. And that might not actually be your style, even if you like it. And that's sort of what I had to figure out was here's everybody doing what I love but i i don't fall into that like i i this room looked uh, you know at least 60% this way before i ever had a youtube channel like it was just that's what i want my space that i go hang out in to look like and i figured youtube was a chance to share that with people and blue's always been my favorite color and i've literally had people in my past say like you need to tone it down <laughs> with the blue and i'm like which sounds ridiculous but like i've had people like in a concerned way say like maybe stop and it's like, no, you know what? No, like this is, this is my thing. It, like the color blue makes me happy. I got a custom blue magic mouse from my MacBook. Um, it makes me really happy. It makes me excited. Fortunately, it also looks good on camera. And it's just like taking those things that are parts of yourself and really sharing them and projecting them. That's what helps you build an identity that people are going to connect with. And everybody's Totally different, you know. Some people are over the top with energy. Some people are laid back. It's all valid and it's all good as long as it's it's really your thing. And that's what I have tried to do is is do that. Like the the hand lettering. I've always loved typography. Uh, I worked as a Trader Joe's sign artist when I was in college. So um, I don't I don't think you guys have Trader Joe's, even though I think it's owned by a German company. But anyway, uh, it's it's like a a niche little kichi grocery store over here in the U.S. And every store all of the artwork from little shelf signs to huge murals are all done by artists in that store. Um, And I got to do that for like four or five years, which was awesome because it's basically like going to art school, but you get paid to go instead of paying to go. (laughs) And uh, so I learned a lot about lettering and writing. And then when I became a teacher after that, it was like, oh, all these kids are used to like comic sans and terrible looking things on their worksheets. And like, I can do like cool handwriting and hand drawn graphics and stuff. And then when YouTube started, it was like, oh, I should just, do this on that. And then there's cool tools like the iPad and Procreate that let you do that really easily. And, you know, trying to find anything that I'm interested in, or that I feel like has my fingerprint on it and sharing that on the channel is exciting. And what I hope that it does is yeah, brand the channel, but also motivate other people to kind of do the same thing in their own way, like take their thing that they're super excited about and really put it out there instead of hiding it because it's not what they're seeing everybody else do. Exactly. It, that's mm. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's it makes you so
2: more unique, right? If that's if that's a thing, but it, yeah. it it's is immediately recognizable. I think Patrick, you you, you do that as well with your thumbnails. As sure. soon as you see her, is, okay. That's as a Patrick's video, or um, but yeah. It's- sure, yeah,
0: because I I feel like I'm still very much you know ex- except when my face is on there. I mean that's obvious, but I'm I'm trying to find you know what works and what doesn't. The only consistent thing is the little logo in the corner, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the easiest way to make something recognizable, right? But I still don't really feel I have a a, a style as such. I'm I'm still figuring it out when it comes yeah. to thumbnails. It's yeah. a
1: constant evolution. Like you can. You know, you can go through a lot of people's channels. I shouldn't say everybody's, but and you just scroll back through their old videos, and you can see the 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 design. One of my favorite people to do that with is uh, Gary, the Everyday Dad, right? Who like several years ago did cameras, and then switched to computers and stuff. Yeah, and you can literally see one video to the next. There are no more camera videos, and then you can see like he was figuring out how to do thumbnails with computers and different types of tech, and now currently he has like a really specific thumbnail style. That looks amazing and is super. And you can just see how all these little things have evolved and developed over time to make something that is really unique. Even though there's tons of people out there taking photos of a MacBook for a thumbnail, Mm. his look like his in a really specific way. Yeah.
2: One one of the things, just switching a little bit from uh, from from that conversation to something that we, I I find it important. In fact, you know, I I contacted you, Tom, when I first started my channel because I watched a video that you did, which wasn't related to audio or video but it was dealing with brands and Mm -hmm. the thing that caught my eye if if you like was the your ethics uh position and and, you know you have an ethics statement and i remember reaching out saying can i steal this because it's it's awesome for sure it's Um, totally ethical to steal it (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh, just kind of give us a bit of a flavor of, of what you know what what drove you to 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 put that into um, kind of such an emphasis in, into that, uh, was yeah. it something that you've experienced in, in other parts of your uh, sort of professional life? Or is it something that you just naturally thought, hang on, I'm going to be dealing some with, with brands and receiving products potentially, and I need to draw a line in the sun here. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your, your process there.
1: I think it came from it came from a lot of my experiences, like a viewer of YouTube and, and just a consumer of things of, of music and bands and artists and stuff. And I always admired people that did, did things themselves, you know, like if there was a band and I knew that they booked their show, they planned like the cool stuff and the cool effects and they wrote the songs and they, I just really liked to going to that kind of a show versus something where it's like, here's people on stage that some giant corporation set up and signed a contract for two years ago before they even knew these people were going to be here. Like, It just felt more authentic to me. And when I started my YouTube channel, I think I went too extreme into like, this will never be a source of revenue. (laughs) Definitely not my job. And I was like against, you know, I would never use an affiliate link. I would never do anything like that. And I I had to kind of unlearn that and realize you can do those things without selling your soul and without Mm -hmm. harming the audience. And in fact, you probably should (laughs) in a lot of ways do those things. But it's like, how do you do that? How do you navigate that world? And so I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I, the world of like sponsored content was always so overwhelming, but I knew it was something that I'd be foolish to just ignore forever, but I needed something to like guide that. Hmm. And I I kind of had a, it's sort of, uh, I, I, I borrowed a lot from Kevin the Basic Filmmaker and oh, it was MKBHD, or Marquez Brownlee on his one of his early podcasts had Mr. Mobile, who i never heard of before, and they did a whole episode about dealing with brands. And Mr. Mobile talked about, uh, he has like a an ethics document, which talks about like how he will pay for a hotel room, how he will pay for a rental car, like everything. Um, and I was like, this is really cool. And I don't even know this guy. And it made me kind of trust him more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do something like that. So I put together this little ethics statement on my website, which was... Like a reference point for me, because sometimes it's so easy to sort of get yourself mixed up and stuff like a, a brand might approach you and say, hey, we've got a thing. Do you want to try it out? And You're like, yeah, sure. And you don't realize that by saying, yeah, sure, I'll try it out. They mean like you have to make a video about it mm. and then they'll start bothering you or something or, you know, sure, here's a video. And then they want to see the video or they want to tell you what day to post it or, you know, whatever it might be like you just don't have control over your stuff. And that's bad for you. It's bad for your audience. It's bad for everybody. And so I wanted to make sure that there was something for me, for the viewers and for any potential partners where we're all looking at this same document and going like, this is what it is. So if you see anything sponsored, if you see anything that was sent to me for free, you know that it kind of like went through this checklist yeah. and that's how I approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was crazy. Cause when I first did that a couple of years ago, people said, don't do that. I got a bunch of messages from people saying like, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Like you're limiting yourself. And I definitely had brands that I never heard from again, which was fine. Like if they're like, "You're not going to let us exploit you," we're out of here. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, cool." Uh, but then there's brands like Shore or Road or Artlist or you know Deity. Any I say that because I have a, a Deity microphone right here. <laughs> um, any number of like other brands where they're like, "Yeah, we love this. We're totally cool with it." Like you know, your channel is your resume. They know I'm not going to suddenly go crazy and go on like a, a weird racist rant or something in the middle of my microphone review. So they trust you and and they they if anything they don't, those kinds of companies don't want to have any influence on what you do because they know that would be very bad for them if people found out like oh they're just telling people what to mm-hmm. say. So it took a while but having that has really helped me cultivate like relationships with brands that I actually want to work with. Sometimes it never even makes it anything to the channel. It's just like I have contacts and friends and with companies and things that I can reach out to and ask questions of if I need to or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but it's been really helpful and I've been happy that a few people have asked to borrow it and which you totally can. You go to Hi, my name is Tom.com slash ethics and uh, you can copy and paste if you want, change it however you want, if you want to use it as a template. But I think that's a cool thing for creators to do in their own way
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's so... It's so tough to know, like the three of us, if the same brand went to each of us and offered a sponsorship, it would probably be three different rates and (laughs) they might be a huge disparity and we wouldn't really know and we wouldn't really know the conditions of that. But if everyone, if it kind of becomes a thing where creators go like, no, this is my baseline, these are my standards and people sort of expect that, it's kind of good for everybody, I think
0: just a follow up question on this one, because uh, you mentioned earlier that sometimes brands ask you to uh, send the video ahead of time. Do you, mm-hmm. uh, do you ever do that?
1: Nope, never. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> uh, you said Specifically in, in the ethics statement. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, sometimes there's not, uh, like it's weird. Cause sometimes I might be kind of like friends with somebody in a brand. Like we've known each other for a while and now they're like, Hey, you want to do a sponsored thing? And I'm like excited about the video and I just want to show them. Um, so maybe sometimes I might do that, but that's kind of like for fun. Like, I'm really, ex- look at this. I'm super excited about how it came out versus like, can you, you telling this? me? Yeah. 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 And and that's really more of like, it's sort of a weird thing, but that's my call. If I decide I'm just excited about something, I want. Yeah. like, I don't want to wait two weeks. I want you to see it now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't do that. Some people do and you know there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But I think each of those kinds of things, you really need to sit down for yourself and decide, mm. you know, how do you feel about it? How, because it's, it's like when you're dealing with a brand, you're you're banking on like the value you have built up in the relationship with your audience. And I almost feel like it's very easy if you take these missteps, it's like you're you're now, you're lowering the relationship with your audience or you're mm. losing their trust or you're losing whatever it might be that drew them to you. And it's it's that is something I think is really important to protect because ultimately, like you're not making your YouTube channel for one paycheck or, you know, one brand deal. Like you want it to probably be a sustainable thing for a long time to come. And that might mean saying no to a lot more things than you say yes to in order to make it sustainable like that.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, the reason why I asked it is because I get that question sometimes to send the video and it's kind of, Mm The first time I got asked that question, I was almost like a little bit offended, you know, yeah. because I thought, well, you, you asked me to do a video. You approached probably me probably <laughs> for a reason. And, you know, you, there's a lot of videos on my channel that can give you an idea of, of what it will look like. I'm not in the habit of trashing a brand. Yeah. So why don't you just trust me and let me do my thing? Um, I did once or twice send over my script just to, for them to check it on factual uh, inaccuracies, yeah. but. Yeah. Nothing to do with the creative process at all. I don't think that's yeah. the way to go at all. I love that's
1: that. A good, that's a good thing to do. And, and that's part of one of the points on my ethics statement is like, I will seek to clarify things I don't mm. understand. So yeah, I'll totally reach out like, hey, you know, this specification's here, but it says this, like wh- whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, sometimes they'll say like, here's a list of talking points. Say these things in this way. And it's like, do you want me to make my video or do you just want to make a video like, like you, you approach the creator hopefully because you like what they do let them do what they do
2: yeah and that's a level of protection for the brand as well right which is yeah you know if, yeah. if you find an issue with the product you know and let's face it not every product is perfect we always find issues i think it's a good good thing to have to say let the creator get back to us and, and ask about that yeah. rather than just make the video and yeah potentially trashing them I think, Patrick, you you had to return something today, right?
0: Yeah. So what I did, this this hasn't happened often. So uh, I think this is the second time that I really didn't like a product, that it had a couple of flaws and I just couldn't recommend it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I told him, look, I'm happy to still incorporate it into my video. But there are a few flaws and these are them. These are the flaws. And I will mention them because I owe it to my audience to do so. And you can you can ask you, you you can tell me now if you want me to review it or not, and you know they chose not to, and I think that yeah. was the right choice for them, um, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not that interested in making videos about how bad a product is, and right. uh, yeah, I think that's that's a, it's a fair approach, and it gives them also the opportunity to make that decision, um, because I do yeah. feel a, a sort of an obligation because I did agree to receive the product, and at that time I also agreed to review it. But then, you know, when something like that happens, I think you should give them some options.
1: Yeah. How long does it take you guys to make a typical video? Two, three days, I'd say, on
0: on on average. I think, a couple yeah, days.
1: A couple days. Yeah. Because what, what I always think is like what you just said, not interested in making bad videos. A lot of times people will say like, oh, these YouTubers are just shills and every review is a great thing. And it's it's kind of like, yeah, I don't want to spend two or three days or however many hours... Making a video about something that sucks yeah. <laughs> that I hate, like why would I do that? Yeah. So of course, by the time I'm making a video about something, you can probably already guess that I like it, at least to some extent, and it's it's sort of like a self-selecting thing. My my bad review is like if there's a very popular thing comes out and I don't talk about it, that's the bad review. <laughs> like <laughs> well, what I've yeah. learned,
2: and this took probably over a year to figure out, but was that being first to review something is is not always the right approach because you end up cutting corners naturally because you haven't actually tested the thing (laughs) for a long time so i i I recently took the approach to say you know what if he's going to get here late or if he's going to get here to you know because i I ordered something specifically for me that is going to take a week later then that's fine you know because your viewers you know from what i've experienced and, and i'm sure it's the same for you they they want your opinion doesn't matter if he comes today or seven o'clock next week
1: (laughs) exactly exactly yeah i mean don't upload an iphone 4 review you know tomorrow it's a little late yeah exactly (laughs) you know yeah a couple weeks even a month or two like to because those initial waves of reviews a lot of times are just kind of like uh i don't really mean this to disparage it but a lot of times just kind of reading the specs like here's what it says it does did it do it yep here we go (laughs) um and it's kind of you need time um i think dji who actually kind of have issues with in their like approach to influencer marketing but one of the things they do really well not that i've ever worked with them but i've known people who have um they'll give out products like drones or like the r4d the crazy cinema camera they came out with they gave that out to people like two or three months in advance um which meant that even though people did have release day videos for it they'd already used it on projects and use it for months so they could give a full review uh not i know not every brand can do that because sometimes the product's not done for three months before release but um i think that kind of strategy is really smart it's sort of the best of both worlds if people want to hit that release date but still have value to offer it's like give them more time with the thing
2: absolutely and, that, and that's a great segue to our next subject which is probably my favorite you know <laughs> running a gear gear and tech channel um and, and patrick told me beforehand you know we need to tune down the talking about gear <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> let's, let's reserve maybe five minutes for it it's uh, a rabbit hole <laughs> it's, right. it's- but, but it we is. can't ignore you've done something that is quite drastic right you know, to, to change camera you've done systems. something. you've, you've done, done the something unthinkable. and you've done a great video about it as well for those listening go check it out but just take us through your your your, your thought process of moving from canon to sony
1: yeah, uh, I it, it's a lot. So go check out the video. Or I even have podcast episodes where if you want to hear like every agonizing like <laughs> thought process, but uh, I will give my usual disclaimer and say that every camera is great now. Like if you're buying a camera in 2022, it's going to be awesome. Un- unless it's like some weird no-name brand, you know, $79 4K camera or whatever. It's probably gonna be terrible, but any regular brand is going to give you a good camera. It's just about what specific things you need And I really like Canon and Patrick and I, a lot of like our early conversations are about Canon and the R and the R5 and all this stuff. Um, And I used Canon for years and I really liked them. But on the video side of things, it was just like, if I wasn't willing, I felt like if I didn't want to jump into the cinema series and spend a lot of money to get a full frame cinema camera, there were just some key things that like they weren't giving me. And I tried so hard (laughs) to like work within that. And it just sort of came out and I was like, I know everybody's like, not everybody, a lot of people rant and rave about how great Sony cameras are to the point that it kind of put me off of Sony cameras for a while. It's like, God, those like Sony fans are so obsessed. Uh, But when I was like sitting there and just looking, what do I want? What does this offer? I was like, those are the ones that offer what I want. You know, full frame, 4k, full size, HDMI, really good autofocus, no record limit, no overheating. Like, really good, you know, frame rates and bit depth and all that fun stuff. Um, and Sony was just it. And it was like last year in April or May about the a 7s S Uh And I, everyone had built that up to be like the camera made by God himself. <laughs> <coughs> and, and when, when I got the a 7s S three, what it taught me was that the EOS R was really good. Cause I was like, actually I'm not noticing this earth shattering difference. Like it's better, but the R is still really good. And, fraction of the price but over the next few months when i started to learn the new camera system and really like figure some things out that's when i started seeing like i can do things with this that i've never been able to do before which made me feel more creative when i'm behind the camera whether it's for youtube or not and that was really fun like i haven't felt that excitement in a long long time and so then it led to me also getting the fx3 which is what i'm using right now uh which then led to me also getting the a7 IV, and that's, like, the Sony trio that I've got. And it's it's so freaking fun. <laughs> like, I love these cameras.
0: They look so good, though. They they look so good. Those, the, the FX3, real good. <laughs> it's just something about that camera. It just looks amazing.
1: Yeah, and the audio. I mean, I know, like, the roadcasters my, you know, my baby over here, but having it comes with an audio handle it has XLR port ports and great preamps. So you just run an XLR mic directly into the camera when you're recording a video, there's no sync issues or anything. It's like, it's, it's a really kind of game changer for your workflow mm. to be able to do that. Um, yeah. And I mean, you can get XLR hand XLR like attachments for other cameras, but they're all kind of like wobbly. <laughs> um, and the FX three, like the handle Bolts into the body of the camera, so it's not putting all the pressure on like the accessory shoe, and you can really feel comfortable like picking it up, moving it, plugging something into it. Uh, I I didn't realize how much I was going to like that, and I really like it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the The amount of cabling and power and you know extra steps that you know when you're making videos every week, it, you know we should never underestimate how how important um, that is because yeah know, that money you spend extra almost pays for itself you know immediately because you are now able to produce things without the stress and you you using that time oh, for, yeah. for other things or to improve on your content which is great oh my
1: gosh it's, it's crazy because a lot of times you know if i'm filming like b-roll like product b-roll i'd have my slider set up and my lighting all set up and stuff and if i'm editing the video like the next day and i realize like crap i forgot a really important shot that would be helpful i'm just kind of like well that sucks. I'm not going to have that shot. Uh, but with these cameras, especially cause 4K 120, which I was not even interested in when I bought them, but 4K 120, it's so easy. Like literally I'll be sitting here editing something like, God, I wish I had a, a shot of this. So that showed whatever. And it's so simple to just like grab a little light, put the thing here, take the camera handheld and just do like boop, just a quick few seconds of 4K 120. It's, it looks like it's on a slider or a gimbal. I could just throw it in the, in the timeline within like a minute of filming it. And now the video is that much better. That's, that is like a priceless addition to my workflow, honestly. Mm. Yeah. 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 I used to be against that, but now it works so well. It, you can really catch things. I even did like, <laughs> I used the A7S3 to make a Christmas gift for my parents last year because uh, my mom has been asking us for like a family portrait because we have like my wife and I and our two dogs, and it's very hard. Like I know you got kids or whatever, but like dogs are hard to take photos of. And I was like, I I, I don't want to take this photo just because I don't want to try to like set up a remote camera and get the right moment. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna take the Sony do like the highest resolution thing. And then we just hang out together in front of the camera for a while. And I will find a frame that works. That <laughs> um, is, And then yeah. I will, yeah, blew it up, printed it on canvas. It looks awesome. It's like, it's, it's literally like you walk in their house. There's this framed family portrait on canvas. And I was like, that was a clip from a video. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Amazing. It's
2: cool. We so. noticed that you, you have, obviously we've got <laughs> probably several podcasts. and know, But you, yes. you run and I think you're doing that today, right? One with your with your missus, uh, yeah. lovely Heather. So one of the questions we had was, you know, obviously to grow that, and you have obviously grown grown that. How how did you get you know your audience current for that podcast or those podcasts? Did they come from your normal channel? Are they uh- <laughs> are they completely separate audiences? You know how do you how did you start to grow that? I mean, where did they come from? Are they now
1: completely merged into one? I think like, honestly, I don't know, (laughs) Um, but I think they did merge into one. I'm so much less strategic with the podcast than with the YouTube channel. Um, But the thing that I did is I started the podcast and then just obviously it goes into directory. So it's going to be surfaced if people are looking for certain things, Uh, but I don't really know how to like SEO podcast that well. Uh, But I just put the link in the description of YouTube videos and (laughs) you forget you do that and people will click on it. And people clicked on it. And then, yeah, I'd get emails or whatever from people going like, I'm finishing your podcast episode. You said this. And I'm like, oh, my God, somebody heard that. (laughs) I don't know. And then I remembered like, that's right. I'm putting this out there and people will hear it. Um, And it's just kind of that. Like podcast hasn't had explosive growth or anything, but it's such a fun project on all of, you know, all the different ones that we do. Um, It's just really fun. And I kind of like being a little low key about the promo because it sort of does filter out the people who are kind of, they like what you're doing and they want to see if there's more. It's mm. almost like someone joining a Patreon or a channel membership where, you know, those are people who've already opted in to to maybe even more than you would normally do on your regular thing, maybe being a little personal or whatever it might be. And I kind of like that. So it's, you know, I could probably try to grow it faster, but I'm, I'm more interested in like the right people finding it than everybody finding it. And that's, that's kind of been the approach that I've taken. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not like a big revenue stream or a, <laughs> or anything like that.
0: No, I like what you said though about uh, you know people looking for for more if they like your stuff and uh, you know I yeah. like what Jared uh, Jared says. Jared Spink, uh, he listens to YouTube videos when he's driving, and uh, I mean, pod, so, so podcasts are ideal for that. You know, you you basically get your Tom Buck video, but you know, in audio <laughs> yeah. form. It's uh, it's where I listen to my podcasts. In my car. Oh and, uh, yeah, for yeah, it's sure, the best. Um, it really is. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I don't know. There's something about being in the car it makes you super hyper focused. I don't know.
1: Um, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's one of my favorite things. It's just finding a good podcast and like going on a road trip or yeah. something, and we get so excited about like next episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, we we've taken a, quite a bit of your time, and you have I think the couples table
1: right after this. Yeah, we're gonna be doing that in uh, just a little, about an hour from now. Oh, okay. I thought it would be in eight minutes. So. <laughs> oh no 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 uh, no. There's a, I got to eat lunch and then. Ah do it, okay but, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so a little more time if you got questions or anything.
0: Yeah, I, I have one uh, one question uh, to um, to leave you with, which is, um, w- what are your plans? for I mean for this year but also maybe beyond this year I don't know if you're if you're the guy that plans uh, 3 5 years ahead but what what can we expect from from Tom Buck what's next
1: um that's a great question I think it's important to have like a general outline but know that what happens will probably not be at all what you outlined and a, a big thing that I learned when I made this, my full-time job was kind of what we talked about earlier, where a lot of people were like, you can make more videos and you could do this. And I'm like, yeah, but then I'm going to be burnt out and tired and I'm not going to do it anymore. And so it was like, my, my goal wasn't to like be this productivity master. My goal was to like be able to do something I really like, and then actually have time to, you know, hang out with my wife or do something fun or listen to podcasts or whatever. And, and, and I, I kind of like that. And, and I've gotten a lot of, questions over the year of people saying like are you gonna hire a team are you gonna do this do you need an editor do you need are you gonna get a studio an office i'm like i i can't tell you how no desire i have for any of that um if you've seen my videos you know that's just that's just not me i look at someone like marquez brownlee and i think what he's doing is amazing and part of me thinks that that would be really fun but also like i don't want to be a manager i don't mm. want to i don't want to have to pay like essentially a second mortgage on a, on a studio or something and it's So the plan is basically um, I want to be able to keep doing what I do. And in in a dream world, I would love to just be able to make YouTube videos and have fun doing podcasts Mm. um, that won't necessarily securely pay the bills forever. So, you know, there's things like courses and, uh, you know, sponsored content and, and, and all these other things that you do to kind of like earn money, which are fun, but finding ways to do that, That lets me focus as much as possible on making the videos I want to make, having fun with it, trying to get a little bit better with each video and sort of just see where it goes kind of from there, Um, which isn't very specific. But like I would like you to see on my channel over the next year. Hey, these are really good videos that feel like they belong on this channel. That's and each one's like kind of better than the one that came before. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's simple. (laughs) Uh, just before we we let you go, uh,
2: we had one very quick question, sure. uh, slightly putting you on the spot a little bit. But um, <laughs> as part of this this podcast, we, we asked our guests to indicate or kind of point out any um, new creators that they've seen. So, you know, that probably deserves a little bit more attention. Uh, so has any any podcast or video where you think the creator, he or she, uh, yeah, is, is a good find that you you can't get enough of and you should share?
1: Yes. Well, aside from Patrick Rambles and Alex and Tech, <laughs> of course. <always. laughs> um, yeah, the, there's one channel that I've been obsessed with lately. Um, and actually, he, he's he been blowing up like crazy. So uh, he's gone from like 15,000, 20,000 to almost 90,000 in, in the past like three months, maybe four months. Um, but the channel is Cathode Ray Dude. Um, and it is most of his videos are like 45 minutes long. And he's just talking about like an old camcorder or a weird old computer thing or like some old kind of tech. Um, but he really breaks down the history and what they were going for. And to me, it's just completely fascinating and the way he approaches things and explains things. I mean, it's crazy. Cause like I said, the channel's blown up. He'll post a video and it's like right now, currently our channels are almost the exact same size Although I know that that will not stay that way for long. Uh, but it's like, I'll watch him post a video and in one day it gets like twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 views. I'm like, wow, uh, that is not what my channel does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's crazy because it's like, it's twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 views and it's like, here's a fax machine from 1996. Like, <laughs> so you see people like scrambling to... To make you know a video about the newest thing. And it's like, it, it's not necessarily about that. There are people out there who are interested in your take on something. And this really proves that. Um, and I kind of like he really works hard to do like good production value, but it's not like anything else that's in the tech space. Um, it, it's very, very different. So I really enjoy that. Um, I also, as I said that, just thought of Patrick Tomasso, who is is also awesome. <sighs> And what I love that he's doing in a similar vein is he really embraces like uh four by three aspect ratio and mm. retro aesthetics and using old cameras and old gear to do things. I think his channel logo, he, he literally put it on a CRT television and then filmed the television with his camera. So it looks like an old, you know, 1980s, 1990s, really bad, <laughs> not bad. It's really cool, but it looks like that has it's. It's really cool. Patrick's doing some really fun stuff with, with cameras and gear. Um, those are two that I've been watching like a lot this week. Well, Cathode Radio I've been watching for like months. I'm kind of obsessed.
0: Yeah, we like <laughs> Patrick. It's, uh, he, he also has this thing where he uh, talks about old CDs, I think, or yeah. tapes, even cassette tapes. I yeah. don't know. There's a very retro feel about his channel, which is kind of nice.
1: Yeah, he's talking about, he did like his Panasonic GH6 video in a 4 by 3 aspect, <laughs> you know, which was like so funny to me. But uh, that's why I love him. He did something with
2: a cool. book of Boba Fett on VHS, which I thought was incredible. Um,
1: yeah, he takes like new media and puts it on VHS yeah. and stuff. It's so Great. cool. It's so fun. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you, guys.
0: Well, thank you as well for your time. It's been uh, it's been an hour. Really appreciate it. It's been good fun talking to you, uh, to everybody listening. Uh, if you haven't already checked out Tom's channel, go ahead and do so. You will not be disappointed. We'll put the links in the show notes as well as your social media uh, links so that people can find you easily.
1: Cool. Thanks again so much. This was super fun and best of luck on future episodes. Thank you. Cheers.